Well, hi, folks. This is 204060 Podcast, and we're glad to be with you today. Jared Runyon, rising musician, rock star of the <laughs> Christian world, uh, writing songs like crazy and doing good. Jared, how you doing, man? You doing good, right? I'm all right. That's you know, good. You know, this is my favorite weather when it rains right now. I feel like I just want to go somewhere and write a song. Oh. It's the most inspiring you know kind what? of weather that, there is. Yeah, I feel like I want to go crawl up in a fetal position, you know, and eat a Hershey bar. <laughs> uh, Jeff Mims, co-pastor of the Judson Baptist Church. The 40-year-old. Jeff, you doing okay today? Perfect. Don't go into everything that you're dealing with, but, you know, uh, I know there's some suffering going on here. We don't want to hear about all that. But <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm doing great. That's good. Just push through, man. That's what I say. Just push through. And, um, of course, I'm doing great, man. I'm about to start a church here in a month. Don't have I have no clue, but, you know, I'm a church planner now, so I've got a little product in my hair now. Come on. Uh, I'm going to start wearing some T-shirts and um, – We've got it going. We had a good meeting yesterday. But today we're going to talk about millennials, this generation, the generation of the 20s, the 20-year-olds and 30s, but the 20-year-olds especially. And uh, everybody's worried about the millennials. Here are some characteristics that we know about millennials, uh, some positive and some maybe not so positive. We know that the millennials are basically unmoored from institutions. I don't worry about that too much because in the 60s, when I came along as at that age, I was unmoored too. I didn't trust anybody in an institution, especially the government that was sending people to Vietnam for no reason. But anyway, and then we know that there's a decline in marriage, and we're going to come back to that, cycle back to that. The views of God, a lot of millennials like, well, I don't think I believe in God, or, you know, I'm certainly not, I don't go to church. I may be religious, but I'm you know, spiritual, but I'm not religious. And that on the positive side, they're very optimistic about the future of America, which I like. I think that's great. And so, but specifically, we want to talk about marriage. You know, the Defense of Marriage Act, when it passed, uh, a lot of people took a deep breath and said, well, finally, we got that straight. And then, of course, the Supreme Court just blew it up. And uh, I won't go into all the Supreme Court ruling on that. Uh, but they basically said, uh, well, the, the unintended consequences was that basically there's no definition of marriage anymore. And so anybody can marry, and it's, it's you know, Pandora's box has been opened, and we're scrambling to find out uh, what it's going to be. But the decline in marriage among millennials is something to consider. In my generation, uh, 48% of the people typically got married in the 20s. Uh, the next generation, Jeff's generation, that had dropped to 36%, and now it's down to 26%. And I, I would imagine it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall a little below that. But the question is, is why are millennials not marrying as uh, early? Now, we have at the table here a millennial who married early. Mm-hmm. How old were you, 14 or 15 when you married? Or did, Oh, you were out of high school. <laughs> I was sure. 10 years old, yeah, yeah, loving my life. No, man, you, you found the love of your life and married early. But why, I mean, why don't you think people are marrying your age? Why don't you think people are marrying uh, as early as uh, Jeff's generation or my generation? Well, first of all, I feel like this is a real opportunity for me to get some brownie points. So, if McKenna, if you're watching, so happy we got married all those years McKenna, ago. You're McKenna, the best thing you should have heard what you said off mic. First, <laughs> first of all, she'd have to be listening. Yeah. Oh, she listens. She's never missing. Can't episode. watch. She just McKenna. We need to talk. Things. She loves him. How, how old were you guys seriously when you got married? Uh, I was 20 years old. Yeah. And was she? Is she a year older? She is a year. Yeah. Older. But you bucked the trend. So why aren't? I mean, why aren't people married? Yeah. Why aren't your friends marrying up? I think I come back to this idea of 
my generation is terrified of missing out on a better opportunity. FOMO. FOMO. Fear of missing out. Just the idea, like if you're a millennial out there. Wait, let's stop here for a minute. Folks, you need to understand, if you really want to be hip, you need to use the word FOMO. FOMO. The fear fear of missing out. Even just saying FOMO, every millennial just watching just cringed a little bit. They know. They hate. Again, they're listening. 100%. 100%. They'll scroll through. <laughs> not watching. There you go. It's not a TV show. I have to get that in my head. We're going we're gonna to bring video to it one day, folks. <laughs> so this idea of FOMO is there's something else out there that you're missing out on. And um, I think it. I think that has definitely been – when I talk to friends of mine who you know, either aren't dating or just really aren't interested in marriage at all, it's this idea that – well, what if something better came along and I'm I'm stuck and I'm, you know. Could you give a real world example of that that you have seen maybe in the last month that's not maybe dating related, but that would help somebody understand like this is what fear of missing out looks like. This is how it would play out in this person's life. Totally. So social, don't use names or anything like that. So you know? Trevor was looking at <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so social media, you'll be scrolling through Instagram and you find a party that you didn't get an invite to. And all of a sudden, there's this fear of something out there fun is happening that I'm not a part of, mm. and it, it it messes with your mind a little bit. And to be fair, our generations never had anything like that to experience unless you read about it in the newspaper. Or one of your friends said, hey, we yeah. had a great time. You, over, you, oh, you wouldn't oh, know. You didn't get invited, huh? Yeah. You wouldn't even know. No way to know. So uh, what do you think about that, Jeff? I, I have, I have uh, a little more reflection on that than just fear of missing out but Jeff you I guess for me in my generation I I don't know I certainly in my friend set I would say it like this and maybe we were more friends because we were kind of aligned around the same beliefs but a lot of us kind of expected that we would go to college and meet somebody to marry I mean like that that was kind of what you did that's why you went to college right was to get a degree but you're also thinking maybe there's a girl there that I'm I'm going to find and get married to. And I know for me, leaving college unmarried, I thought, wow. Loser. Yeah, I've missed my chance. Like, what's going to – what's and, and by the way, I was going to a seminary, and I just got to say, I mean, it's it's the odds are stacked against you because you're talking about there were 2,000 students, maybe three or 400 of them are women, and half of those are married already to guys at the school. I mean – it was a shrinking pool of people. I ended up getting married at seminary, but a lot most of my friends who came to seminary single did not get married at seminary. They left seminary single and got married afterwards. I think when I look at the generation today, uh, I try not to compare much to my generation because when I was in college, I had no thought of marrying because I, I was pretty much convinced I was going to Vietnam. Right. And second lieutenants were dying in the first 30, 60, 90 days. And I thought if I get this commission and I'm going to, you know, I was an infantry, uh, I was studying, uh, that was what I was going to choose. Uh, I thought, you know, I'll be dead. I mean, I, I won't make it. I'm not about, I, I don't mind dating and having fun, but I'm not, I'm not about to, you know, get married and leave, leave somebody like that. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so, but I think uh, this may sound a little bit trite is I think the reason millennials are not marrying is because they're not ready. And I think they know they're not ready. Now, they might not know why they're not ready, but it just hasn't clicked yet. There's a part of a developmental cycle. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's personality development. It's, it's spiritual maturity. It's a lot of things. 
when you know you're ready. And one day you say, you know, I really desire this. Now, there may be some attendant problems to that. But if you think about it, if you marry right the first time, does it matter if you're 40 years old or 30 no. or 20? It doesn't matter. What matters is to marry right the first, you know, the first time. And we've seen that in our church. Some, some folks marrying later as, as late as 35, 40 years old, but they married right th- at that time. They were ready then when they might have thought they were ready or whatever. I just think millennials uh, have enough sense to know they're not ready. Now, they might not know why. You know, they, uh, I think they're developing a little later. I think they're uh, more consumeristic, you know, and, and rather than uh, productive. You know, I think it's uh, maybe a little harder for them to, to focus on another person coming into that world. But we find a lot in marriage counseling uh, or when people have a hard time getting married, folks come to it and they say, look, I'm 100% for me. And I might can give you 10% of my life, but I'm not going to give you 100% of my life. You know, well, you can't be married unless you're willing to give up your life. And then what I always say is when you give up all your rights and whatever to love somebody else, you get more than what you had. You you become more than that 100% that you were trying to hold on to. I just think millennials are just not ready for whatever reason. And I think it's I think it's a lot of integrity, to be honest with you, to say, <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm just going to say it. I'm not interested or I'm not ready or I haven't found the person or whatever. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's not bad. I think the issue is one of the things you talk about, though, is why are they delayed perhaps? So if we were to go back and think maybe even in the ancient world and biblically, obviously people getting married a lot earlier than we are. But but one of the things when I was in seminary, and of course you've been reading a book kind of in a similar vein, was this idea, David Allen Black wrote the book, The Myth of Adolescence, that biblically there's not mm. a 10-year kind of where you quit life and just go play and then come out of college and then wake up to go get a job. Your life certainly, Jared, was not like that because you were flipping cars and working and hustling at an early age. You did you didn't get to hit the timeout button and just go do whatever you wanted to do for 10 years and play video games or you know consume all these things. You you were working uh you know going through all those all those steps. I think a lot of the millennials that I meet today, when, when you talk to them, the, the fascinating thing of, of it is is that they may be 30 years old and you say, like, so what's your hobby? Playing video games. I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It's just different. It's so different to my mindset because uh, a, a video game, I couldn't play with anybody else. It wasn't connected on the Internet. I mean – after you played Zelda about five times, I mean, it's kind of boring, you know. I mean, but you know, it's, what, a, it's a different mindset and a different availability. What to has them. a kid today ever been asked to be responsible for? Well, that's it. What have they ever suffered through? What have they ever, uh, you know, experienced in terms of loss or or disappointment when they're so surrounded uh, by the wealth of this nation and really in the Western world, you're so surrounded by the opportunity to do nothing. In fact, today, I think, people try to keep adolescents uh, from work. Oh, absolutely. They you think know, it's bad for them. Well, and even the laws mitigate against this. You know, if you're 14 or 15, you can't work it. If you're 14, if you're 15, you can only work certain hours. If you're 16, f- certain more hours or whatever else. 
And uh, somebody told me uh, uh, not long ago, said, well, you know, we, that's child labor laws. We've got to protect children from child labor laws. And I thought, well, we're not talking about England where they had, you know, spools of yarn in there. Uh, you know, then that kind of go away in the 1800s and right. industrial age. This, this, the idea of, of bearing responsibility for yourself and, uh, being sufficient for yourself without just being surrounded, uh, by everybody. I tell you another thing that I, I really feel sorry for, uh, the millennials on this, and I'll just have to ask y'all to chase this. I think there's too much control over their lives when they're growing up. They go to school and it's, to me, school is oppressive. Uh, public school and private alike. You go to school and it's like you're in prison. Uh, there's, you have to dress this way. You have to walk down the halls this way. You can't do this. You can't do that. And, uh, they just, they just take, take family life away from you. You know, more and more weeks spent on this. And, uh, it, it's just really to me, uh, kind of, kind of hard on them, uh, to do that. That's why I think a lot of them are not ready. What, 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 what's your experience with your peers? Is that right or wrong or what? I have this thought of, I mean, it kind of relates to the FOMO thing that I was talking about, but it it also, if you if you remember, we talked last week, uh, two weeks ago in the episode, it was about um, if you get a, uh, if you really want to see a millennial come to life, you ask them this question of what is the dream? What do you want to do? What's the big thing that you want to do with your life? And I find that a lot of friends that I have think that marriage is toxic to the dream. Hmm. If I get married, it involves all this restriction around. Do you think, do you think part of it too is they come from broken homes? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, that definitely plays into it, but this idea that these things that I feel like God has called me to do don't work if I'm married because then I, I don't have time to go do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I know for us personally, there was like a, a good, conversation that happened with me and my wife because she's very ambitious and feels very called to do a lot of things. And she actually sat me down and was like, Hey, I'm okay with getting married. I'm excited about it. But of course there's going to be sacrifice at times, but I still have real dreams and things I want to pursue. And getting married doesn't mean I'm not going to pursue those things anymore. It means how can we pursue those together and, and how do we go about that? And so, I don't know. I think that that has that definitely plays a part in the whole thing of, well, if I, if I get into a serious relationship, then I have to give up my dream or my passion or my, you know. You know what's, what, uh, sitting over here and having gone through that and experienced that, these dreams and whatever, what I don't say because nobody would hear it is, you know what, you're going to give up your dream anyway. Uh, because if you have a car wreck or if you, uh, don't make enough money or if you don't, you know, so your dream, you can't imagine how small your dream is at 20 years old compared to 40 years old compared to 60 years old. Uh, you, you can't imagine, uh, you can't, that's what you're saying. You can't imagine giving up that for this dream that I have. So I'm moving to Nashville and my dream is to write music. Yeah. Uh, my dream is to sing at the Grand Ole Opry. That, that yeah. felt like a personal shot. Yeah. I don't oh. know. I don't know if you were supposed to take it that way, but that felt like a little bit of a personal shot. Well, the difference between Jared and the Dreamers is he's actually doing it. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't personal. I just wanted to clarify oh, that. It might have been, but just a little personal. We'll see. He hadn't been doing this very long. No, I just think that you, you, sometimes we don't realize what we're saying in the context of a eighty-year life, in terms of you know, and then you turn up at forty. 
and you've never, because we have this, you turn up at 35 or 40 and these people are uh, disillusioned. Uh, now they want to be married and don't know anybody to, you know, to get yeah, married. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, their lives have been almost ruined in many, many dimensions. And I don't want to go into that, but psychologically, sexually, all kind of things where even intimacy or even conversation is almost so almost painful. They, they, they don't even know how to begin to pursue that dream. See, cause now that's, that's a dream that's replaced the other dreams. I'm not going to be able to do X. You know, I, I see that now. That was a dream. That's like the five-year-old who wants to be the fireman or the baseball player or whatever. Nothing wrong with it. But there's a context of maturity after a while to say, let me be realistic about my gifts and my opportunities and whatever. And some people push through and they're very successful, but your dreams change. And the sacrifice for those dreams to change, like a baby or a family or a different opportunity, when you say, well, I thought I was going to do this, uh, but I'm doing that. We have a guy in our church uh, who loves to fly, and he went to college to, to learn to fly. Well, he's in investments now. It's a different dream. You know, he just – The dream grew, became bigger we, and better. We because, had a passion. Yeah. You know, so – But it was different. Yeah. There's something there, too. I feel like if if you believe that the, you know, the dream is from God and God's called you to do something, marriage is God's idea. You know, it's not something we just pulled together. So if – if the dream really is from God, you will pursue it so much more efficiently and better in the context of marriage. You know, it's it's marriage is designed to make us more like Jesus. And so I think this is one thing I want to ask you guys is I think there's a, a skewed idea of what marriage is as a whole. And I, I talk to guys all the time who are like, I'm not even sure, you know, should I pursue her or... Um, you know, should I wait for her to show interest or I feel like there's all these, uh, uh, blurred lines about roles and, um, that I think you guys would bring a lot of perspective to. I think that, I think we've talked about this before, but I think the whole gender, uh, issues that bleed, uh, you know, the, the, the roles, responsibilities, whatever make marriage confusing. Totally. You know, the one thing, the, the one thing, I mean, I got to see this with my parents, so it helped. But the one thing I knew about marriage, and I didn't know much when I got married, but the one thing I did know from friends and, and my parents and whatever else is that the guy was the champion for his wife and family. He'd do anything for them. Uh, he went to work when his back was hurting. Uh, you know, he, he stayed outside uh, sawing and driving nails when it was snowing because – because he was committed to his wife and family. Now, whether there was a lot of romance about that or, you know, but there was deep respect on the wife's part. And she might have worked. She, you know, there are a lot of women that worked uh, when I was growing up too, but she had a respect for her husband and a submission to that which we, he was trying to do. And so, you know, with the whole uh, cultural movement, the whole idea of submission has been set aside uh, because now that's a curse word. The whole idea of respect is kind of set aside. The whole di idea of sacrifice is really set aside. And so they don't know. But I think that's what's exciting. We've got it. We've got really the only alternative. Now, it may take a while to get that alternative before people. But if we're patient enough and we live it and show it, then really it's, it's going to be okay. 
And I've asked many times, what's the purpose of your marriage? That's an interesting question to people who are married. And they can't, they don't, they have no idea. They just, well, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I do think there is something to be offered biblically uh, on that. But you got to establish the gender role first. Speaking of gender role, didn't mom ask you to marry her? <laughs> Twice, I think. <laughs> if you know my mom, you know that, that didn't happen. Well, I think, but I think what you're asking is interesting because it is a, it is generationally a little bit different. You know, uh, Gene, you wouldn't have hung out with people. You didn't hang out with girls to like be friends. That You were friends with your guys. What if you hung out with a girl, you went on a date. <laughs> what could they do? I mean, when, could they, they when, play basketball? Or, when I was growing up, sleep. I hung out in a friend group that was guys and girls. And I'll never forget going to uh, college and one of our Sunday school teachers basically saying to the men in the room, I mean, the women were in the room, he said, you guys are just a pathetic excuse for men. And everybody was kind of, I mean, it was like, whoa, what in the world? And he's like, I mean, all these girls are waiting around for guys to ask him out, and you guys won't ask him out. And so I, I promptly took him right up on his offer, went outside and asked this girl out. She blindly said yes. We only went out one time, and I came back to him and said, that was a waste of time, pal. Thanks a lot. You know, <laughs> but, I, but I do think that it is, it is a little unnerving because you, you are wondering maybe who pursues who, who does this. Because the funny thing about it was when we were, my generation grew up, Everybody wanted their men to be more sensitive and be in touch with their feminine side. Well, the funny thing about it was they said they wanted that, but it, it wasn't what they wanted. And and what you found out is that as you capitulated to that demand in the relationship, it generally didn't work out because someone had to step up and say, okay, I, there has to be a decision made today. I'll make it, you know? And so it was kind of this funny thing in, in my own life. And even as I dated Kathy, that we really struggled with a little bit because I kind of made the kind of standard response in our early on in our dating to be like, well, okay, I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, what? I don't care. Whatever you want to do. you know. And that was kind of the thing. Well, it just caused friction and problems because ultimately, you know, she was waiting for someone to lead. And when I say lead, it didn't mean that I made all the decisions, but somebody had to bear the responsibility of the, of the, of the leadership in the relationship. So, you know, if I could tell millennial men, or, and women, just one thing, uh, to kind of get kick-started on a process without having to give up what might be. I'd say, why don't you just pick somebody out? It doesn't matter who it is of the opposite sex and ask her to go and drink some coffee with you and have a conversation. Talk about anything you want to, but learn. Uh, and what you'll discover, despite all the cultural lies that we believe, is that's really a woman right there. And she's going to say, that's really a guy right there. And we're really different. You know, we're really different. But there's something kind of fun about this, even if it doesn't lead to romance and marriage, but it'll lead you somewhere that you're not right now. And I would say, leave your phones in the car and spend more time talking to each other than you do posting about how you talked with yeah, each don't other. Don't do a selfie, you know. Something. I mean, I mean seriously. Yeah. Like, like, actually engage in, in one-on-one conversation. I, I think that's a that start helps. without having to the danger of giving up my dream or whatever. Yeah. Well, fine. Uh, you know, I dated plenty of girls that had nothing to do with my dream and, uh, found the one that shared the dream. So mm-hmm. that's different, but just to learn. And I think that's the benefit I had. We would date and it, it, it didn't mean anything. It had the potential maybe to mean something, but it didn't mean anything. We went to this movie or, you know, we played miniature golf or something, but we talked. 
you know, we, we, we could actually have a conversation. What, what, where did y'all play miniature golf in Appomattox, Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have no putt putt <laughs> Built his own. Made right one in the, the pasture yard. out hey, there. Nunchucks, Lynchburg. <laughs> I want to I ask a question, though. You mentioned sacrifice a little while ago and how that's a big part of the relationship. I think that's such a to, – to millennials, that's a very negative word sacrifice and if love is defined by sacrifice i think about like i think about mm -hmm. mckenna if i was the only guy in the world it wouldn't mean that much she was like hey let's be together but when she passes up guys to be like hey let's be together it means something can you explain to the millennial listening what is the upside of sacrifice what wh why is that a good thing and not something that weighs you down well first of all sacrifice is going to be required in your life for everything. You're going to have to give up something probably many times. You're going to have to give up something many times, probably against your will, uh, for something to get better. So, so for instance, I, I'm, you know, I'm overweight and I'm not going to eat, uh, carbs or dessert or whatever. I'm, uh, I'm not strong as I need to be. So I've got to, I've got to sacrifice some time and go in the gym. That, that sounds pretty basic, but it's really, it's really true. And what you learn when you sacrifice is that your character is built and you actually become uh, more able to achieve things. You can't, nothing's ever achieved that's great without sacrifice. You sacrifice every day when you go to a studio or you go to a writing session and you're giving up time with, you know, the boys or McKenna or whatever else. So sacrifice is an important part of life to get you something that you want. Uh, somebody sacrificed to, to get a lot of the millennials, their education, their car, their whatever else. Now, the wealth that their parents had and the sacrifice they made sometimes is not communicated well. You know, it's just a gift. And, and then they kind of get this entitlement going or, or whatever else. And if you don't sacrifice, then life will really chew you up hmm. because you'll go to work somewhere and you'll, you'll uh, pop this attitude or, you know, this, I'm do this or I need this or whatever else. And somebody will just dismiss you because you didn't make the sacrifice to make the company better or the department better or that product, uh, you, you know, any better. So the idea of sacrifice, especially biblically, uh, we see it in the Lord who sacrificed to create the earth, to sacrifice to create us, especially when we rebelled, sacrificed his son, uh, sacrifices many things for us, and we get better because of that. And when I, you know, when I make, uh, what, what, this is one of the things I think maybe not just millennials, but a lot of people have a hard time with. If I see work as something that I have to do Monday through Friday to get enough money to go do what I want to do versus I want to get a job where it really helps somebody, whatever I do, I want to make something the best and it's really going to help somebody have a better life or a better car or you know, I'm going to operate on them and they have a better, you know, uh, uh, heart or whatever else. Then all of a sudden you become something different. You become a producer rather than a consumer. And you can't be a consumer and sacrifice, but you have to be sacrificial if you're a producer. And it's producing that makes the world better and makes a person better. And the struggle in all of that and the giving up of something, I've said it many times before, you know, when I got married, I thought I had all this down and I realized I'm not going to get everything I want in this marriage. And if I'm willing to live with that and give it up, I'm going to get more. So the sacrifice was rewarded in multiples on the other side. So I think, I think 
whatever the what, maybe we need to change the word or whatever, but it's just a good word, sacrifice. And uh, probably too young to have experienced. If you got the participation trophy and everybody got the blue ribbon and whatever, I understand how that's difficult. Uh, but to really work hard and to sacrifice uh, is really something to be rewarded. It will be rewarded. It just will be rewarded. I agree. That's it. I mean, yeah. you just I think what I would say about it is that the the thing about um, the best marriages that I've ever seen uh, started when two people decided that they wanted to put the other person first. And if if that was your goal every day to put your wife first, and 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 I'm, please don't write the show and say God's first. Okay, God first, <laughs> then in your relational life, okay, what I mean is that you're, you put your wife first. Above yourself, above your children, you put your wife first. Uh, what then happens is that I've, I've never met someone who, when they didn't do that in their marriage, their wife, in turn, sees that and begins to do the same thing. And it, it, become, it becomes something that you're going, man, I, I really want to do something great for my wife in this because I know what she has done for me, and I don't take it for granted, and I, I want her to be the best that she can be because if she's the best that she can be, I'm going to be better because of it in every in every sense of the word. And so I know, you know, in my own relationship, when my wife is uh, satisfied with our home life and she's happy and I know that when she is achieving uh, me- some measure of success in the things that she really values, then I'm happier all the way around. And so I want to make it where that can happen for her. So I would just say sacrifice, if, it, if it's free, it's not worth having. But when you pay the price for it and you go through with it, it's always worth it. I think for me... Uh, very early on, my uh, the goal I had for my wife before we had children, the goal I had for Anne was to figure out a way so she could be the person that God created her to be. And I knew we were developing because we were young. We were I was twenty three. We, we were twenty three when we married, and uh, I you know I knew we wouldn't be the same people, and I anticipated we'd have children. But my number one thing was, w- what can I do? personally what can i be and what can i do so that she becomes the woman god intends for her to be and it was kind of an open book it was a it was a blank canvas and so i didn't know if she would work or if she would have a whatever but i was just willing to do at that point if you're 100 percent focused on yourself you don't need to be married please don't get married uh i think you marry at first and you're passionate and you're really excited about being together and then it morphs into something much deeper and richer than that when you look at each other and say, you know, I do this, I, 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 uh, my wife does many, many things to make my life so much easier and to, and to absolutely, when I walk into my house, all the stress that I've ever had anywhere else at work or whatever dissipates because I have a home a house of peace or whatever. And she serves the family and she serves her husband and it makes, that's a sacrifice. She doesn't do it because she has to, she does because she wants to. And so in turn, that's exactly what I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And as far as I'm concerned, whatever I have and can be, she can have it all because I know that together we become more than we would have. 
But if you're just, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 60 years old or, or 20 years old. If you're just selfish and running down the 100% track, don't get married. You're not ready. And, uh, you know, avoid the pain of an early heartbreak of divorce or separation or whatever else. I, I don't really worry so much about millennials. I just want to get in front of them so I can be there and listen to them and talk to them and preach to them and teach them or what, relate to them as best I can because I think they're going to be all right. And especially if they become spiritual and get a spiritual orientation, they have hurdles to get over. I did. Jeff did. We all did. We had hurdles to get over and uh, they'll get over their hurdles. So we'll be okay. You know, I would just say this to anybody in a church situation right now, trying to figure this out or, or whatnot. Instead of moving away from millennials, you better be running to them because they're going to be the next generation of leaders. And that, I mean, that just follows. And so to sit around, if you feel like you're bemoaning, the millennial generation, you're wasting your time and your yeah, breath. I think you're right. Get with them. You know, spend time with them and figure out what's making them tick and allow God to use the resources and experiences he's given you to shape that and disciple them and, and raise them up in the next generation of leaders because they're creative. Their their instincts aren't always bad. They're, they have some really great instincts. They are uh, fascinatingly entrepreneurial in a lot of ways and all of that's really good so i would just say if you're in a church situation instead of talking about these young people i mean like (laughs) if you have ever said these young people today you need to stop repent and go get in front of some of those young people and hang out with them and find out why they're awesome yeah you ought to sacrifice your time to get in to really get in front of them and i know when i was in my 20s if somebody was just hypercritical of our music or whatever i just turned them off yeah i just you know fine see you later and I think the same thing's happening today. Uh, I don't find millennials are unwilling to engage. I think they're surprised when it happens. Yeah. In the main. Very true. Well, hey, folks. I don't know that Jared, you know, added much to our conversation. No, because he's a millennial. <laughs> we really hope that he would give I just woke up, but it's good to be here, y'all. Oh, I tell you what, you're that's so right. selfish today. Yeah, that's I don't right. Know. Pitiful. Jeff, you know, I don't know if Jeff sat over there in silence, and I, I've really carried the day again. I mean, I. <laughs> I'm used to it, though. If we can only tell you how grateful we are for yeah, you. Yeah, I know words can't express The pillar. It. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been fun. It's always fun. Thanks, Jared, for being here, and uh, Jeff for being here. It's just exciting times for all of us. And thank you all for listening to the 204060 podcast. Hey, let us hear from you. If you've got something you want us to chase, uh, we're not scared. We'll be glad to. We're ready to do it. So until next time, we'll see you later.